Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Provoke Media podcast. This is... Arun Sudharman. I'm really happy because today we're going to be talking about the 2021 Creativity in PR study uh, and we're being joined first of all by Claire Bridges who's founder of Nowgo Create and co-author on this study that Claire we launched in 2012. Can you can you believe it? I know I can't believe it. I've had um, a baby and uh, done a master's and 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 now and done a decade now um, at now go create so no I, I where's it gone Arun it's a good job the cameras yeah. are off because the lines are there yeah an- another baby aside from the creativity <laughs> in PR exactly study. another baby yeah and yeah. we're also joined today um, by our partners at Fleischmann Hillard Leslie Backus is senior creative strategist Fleischmann Hillard Global Planning and Creative Leadership Team. Leslie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So this is a, a really global operation. Uh, Leslie's in the Midwest. Um, I'm in Hong Kong. Claire's in London. So it's it's the full. We've got the full spectrum. I feel here of time zones. <laughs> so well done, everyone. Um, particularly well done to Leslie and me. I think. It's because it's you know beginning and end of the day for us. But well done to you as well, Claire. Thanks. Um, Just for being you're here. Welcome. Yes, indeed. Okay, let's get into it. So, the Creativity and PR report had kind of been on hiatus since 2017. Uh, Claire and I had been uh, diligently surveying the industry for six years prior to that, looking into how. Um, creativity was changing in the public relations industry there were all sorts of interesting interesting things happening uh during that period but i think by 2017 we were we were thinking that there wasn't actually that much change and 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 maybe um, we needed to wait a little bit but then of course covid19 hit uh and i suppose claire it seemed like a really good idea to revisit the study yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you say, when we first started the study, um, it, it was interesting um, trying to, you know, creativity at that time, I think um, it, it, it has changed an enormous amount in terms of, I think, the priority um, in agencies and it, for brands and out there in the world at large as well. So, as you say, mm-hmm. I think lots of things, lots of things evolved quite fast in those sort of early years of us looking at the study and particularly the rise of the creative director, as we talked about, and um, the idea of purpose and authenticity and all those good things coming through. And then I think because obviously it's CAN um, this week as we speak, and I think mm-hmm. because of the inclusion of the PR category at CAN, creativity then was not forced but you know catapulted into i think the pr agencies and, and the pr and commerce the business were had more focus because can was then putting a focus on you know evaluating judging us and looking at 
the industry as a whole and saying, okay, how are you measuring up against some of the other parts of the marketing mix? Because, you know, the world has changed so much and obviously technology's come on as well. So as you say, I think that hiatus was, we kind of felt like a lot happened. And then as you say, of course, here we are now. And actually almost in that period from um, March last year to now, you know, we, we could probably have had three or four different podcasts as to how creativity has been impacted in sort of the cycles of the lockdowns uh, up to where we are now. Mm. Indeed, a lot obviously has changed over the last 15 to 18 months. Uh, of course, lockdown, working from home, a huge impact on our lives, huge impact on the industry. Um, an ideal time, I guess, to revisit uh, the, uh, the the topic of creativity in the public relations industry. So the survey ran um, earlier this year, the first quarter largely, uh, and the, the, the first set of findings came out yesterday. And they're very interesting, I think. Um, let's start with one of the key findings, which is that over half, 55% of all those surveyed, say that the pandemic has helped their agency to up its creative game. Claire, as you put it, this is a phenomenal snapshot of an industry that clearly doesn't see itself in peril. Uh, 44%, the largest proportion, say that COVID has positively affected their creative abilities and output. 69% say creativity is now a higher priority for their agency or business. Uh, and client expectations of creativity have also sharply risen, uh, according to 92% of respondents. So Leslie, I'm going to come to you now. That's a lot of data, I'm aware. But does any of that surprise you given your own experience of the last 15 months? Yeah, I think it's actually very much in line with what we've seen happen inside our four walls that don't actually exist anymore since we're all in a virtual environment. You know, when you talk about the fact that agencies have had to up their creative game, that client expectations are higher than ever, I think it's very in line with what we're seeing. You know, the pandemic really inspired agencies, inspired clients to reimagine the impact that they can have on the world. And so I think that definitely pushed everyone to think about how do we make creativity the engine for impact. Um, there's something about the PR world that I think actually thrives in complexity and unknown. And we at Fleischmann Hillard used that uncertainty to develop work fueled by creativity that lived up to our creative ambition. I mean, it really helped us reimagine what purpose exists for some of our clients and how do we lean into that harder? For example, when we look at clients like Krispy Kreme, how do we use creativity to transform them from a donut company into an engine to drive vaccination? Or even for Fitbit, this becomes an opportunity for them to be a holistic health brand. So, you know, I think it just allowed us all to dream bigger, push harder, but honestly see the role of business in this cultural and societal moment in a way that maybe we hadn't seen in the past. And I think it just really led to an unprecedented level of inspiration and creative push for us all. Mm. Yeah, I think there's no question that um, the corporate world has really responded to the pandemic in that manner. It's kind of changed the contract to an extent between business and society and, and for the better. Uh, and, and maybe that was overdue. Um, but Claire, 44% saying that COVID has 
positively affected their creative abilities and output at a time when you know the New York Times word of the year is languishing. Mm. Uh, how, how, how do you see that? Um, is there a disconnect there at all? Well, that that is um, the the statistic or the the finding of the report that I do personally find interesting and surprising. And I think, um, yeah, that idea of us sort of moving from anguishing into this languishing, I think, um, you know, that, that, that hackneyed phrase, but that, um, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. I think mm. people are thinking about, you know, pushing, digging deeper, pushing harder, doing what they needed to do, as Leslie said, for their clients or for themselves or even for their own businesses. We had quite a lot of feedback um, on, the, on the study in relation to, you know, don't just ask us about what's gone on with our client business ask us about our own business you know how we've had to to navigate that and to to change and you know that horrible word pivot but you know to, to actually deal with the working from home the collaboration the, all of those things but i think um as a, and this is where i always stats are so interesting aren't they because they're open to, to interpretation in some ways when i looked at this i just thought wow that was not what i was expecting because that was not my experience um and i think um, and this is an assumption that I'm, I'm making here, having authored the report and also looked at the findings and then reflected on my um, own experiences and those of my friends who are working parents is that um, I wonder here, we didn't ask the question, but I wonder here whether there's a sense of, you know, not having to do the commute. Um, and if you didn't have um, family members to look after or perhaps small children who were working from home, perhaps that did give you an opportunity to, you know, have a bit more time, a bit more thinking time, a bit more headspace, which we all need, frankly, and creativity definitely needs. Um, but mm. having a child who was homeschooling like so many other people did, I just felt that every spare minute that I might have been doing what you'd call, you know, deep thinking or deep work was interrupted a thousand times by a thousand mummies, mummies, mummies. And that is... <laughs> not necessarily conducive to creativity yeah. so that's why I, I did find that really um um really interesting and as i say surprising and i wonder whether you know that that is because of the, whether we do if we'd asked the parents about the, sorry the question about whether they were working parents whether that might have sh you know sh shed a bit more light on that mm. yeah my, my daughter literally just walked in about <laughs> two minutes ago um which i think was was really ideal for this podcast um <laughs> Leslie, let's stick with that personal theme for a little bit. Do, do you feel like it's been difficult finding creative inspiration during the pandemic, during the lockdown, while working from home, um, or not? Has has it actually been a, a you know has it helped you? And how have you seen that play out among your teams? Yeah, you know, honestly, if I look back at the past year and a half, personally, I think it's been my most creative time, it's been my least creative time. I think both of those mm. truths probably exist at the same time. Claire, when you were talking about homeschooling, I feel that so acutely. And um, and you're right, the, the amount of um, expectation and weight that everybody was carrying over this period um, was just monumental. And so, um, so I think that there's a piece of it where it's kind of like, man, with all of the exhaustion, with everything that's pulling you in a trillion different directions, it sometimes feels like that creative energy is totally zapped. On the other hand, I feel like there, there are some experiences for me personally in the past year and a half where I have felt more creatively energized than I ever have before. When I look at it from an agency perspective, it 
really unlocked the way that we approach work. You know, we had already mm -hmm. put creativity at the center of our business, but when the world went into lockdown, it allowed us to reimagine the way that we assemble teams, the way that we can bring people from across the globe, even assignments that are localized. I mean, we were able to do people from multiple regions or even multiple countries to attack some of that work. And mm. so in a, in a funny way, you know, while there might have been um, many, many moments of struggles for me as a mom, what was so incredible is, you know, there might be a planner in London or a creative director in New York who pre-pandemic I wasn't working super closely with, but during the pandemic, it gave me so much creative fuel to be able to work with different individuals, to reassemble teams, to kill like traditional brainstorms and rethink even process. So there are these really lovely, beautiful moments that allowed us to just rethink the ways that we approach creative assignments and teams and I think that gave us energy and and it allowed us to kind of see through and connect with one another um, in ways that we had really aspired to in the past but I actually feel like went to task so deeply this past year mm. really good points and actually gives us uh, a neat link to talk about changes in terms of process and practices um, so according to the report, 59% more than half have developed a process for generating creative ideas while working from home, but it's nothing formal. Only 17% have developed a formal process. Claire, does that chime um, with what you've seen? Um, and ha have you seen any specific processes that you have kind of found interesting? Mm. So I, I think this is a really interesting one because I do think that um, this taps into the conversations and questions that we've been asking since we started this, the survey about process in agency. And I think this is one of those things where I think a lot of people will talk to process um, and um, but actually when it comes to practice, I think a lot of people, if the process is not, so if you didn't have a process before COVID, a creative process or you know a process for pitching any any part of the business, if you didn't have a well-established protest, uh, protest process then, it's highly <laughs> unlikely that the chaos of COVID, I think is going, to, uh, is going to suddenly make you say, oh, now we've got this process in place. So from the numbers that we have there, you know, like you say, 17% of people saying their company found a new way and 23% have not instilled a process. I think, you know, what PR people are brilliant at because I think of the, you know, historically it being um, us managing reputations through the media and the news cycle. And now that's so much faster is PR people are brilliant at thinking on their feet. But I think what happens is mm. so then it's like you've got to think on your feet. You've got to do it quickly. Be creative. Do it now. Literally like stand up comedy, isn't it? You know, we talk about thinking on your feet. But actually... Um, the process really supports um, when there is chaos process supports you all knowing what you need to do on, and, and at least a, a way of approaching it. Um, so I think um, this is the, the my, my, my sense here would be that the people who figured out a new way of working were already had some processes and they figured out how to make them work online and everyone else just wing, kind of winged it and did it on their feet, which is not to say that they wouldn't have made it work. But what I've been seeing with the companies that I've been working with, um, lots of agencies, lots of brands. 
um, all sorts of different organisations, including, interestingly, this year I've worked with a lot of charities and really, really big organisations, including the UN, who are trying to figure out probably, you know, some of the most complex um, issues that the world faces, like the refugee crisis, um, and um, try to find ways to be able to collaborate and bring their teams together. And I think that word collaboration, that's the thing that the PR industry, and not just the PR industry, um, but um, the advertising industry, lots of, and, and, and many, many businesses struggle with is, how do we get from this sort of idea of, you know, perhaps a lone wolf creative director, you know, kind of person who leads the creative charge uh, versus harnessing the power of all our individuals um, and, and the diversity of thought that that brings. And so, and I think this is a constant sort of push me, pull you. And, and my my view is that COVID will just kind of have, have exacerbated that. Um, just briefly, you talked about mm. tools. I think the tools that I've found most useful, other than all the sort of obvious platforms, um, are um, probably Mural. So some of I know some of some of the um, people who answered the study had said they looked at Mural. You know, yeah, fifteen percent. Yeah. I think. Yeah, um, I think Mural and Miro does much the same thing. But if you're not, if mm. you don't have any process, then definitely go and have a nose at those because they are, you know, they are um, ready-made templates, processes, collaborating boards. You know, they'll make your life easier whether you're working remotely or not. I think they're great. Um, and mm. the other one that I've used a lot is called Use Canda, which is the American spelling spelling of Canda, but is really mm. about using. Um, um, it's almost like a quite a simple post-it brainstorming app but it has lots mm -hmm. of things um, it's anonymous um, and so it can start to tackle some of the cultural aspects around creativity like hierarchy and you know bringing introverts along and all that good stuff so I think these mm -hmm. are all things that we'll continue to grapple with but actually as hybrid working goes forward that process will be even more important because otherwise your half an hour hour three-hour strategy meeting three-hour brainstorm whatever it is you're having it's got to be almost more structured online than it is in a room because you just can't mm. read the room in the same way that you can when you're all together mm. yeah and, and there's been an, an explosion i think in these tools leslie how, how have you found the tool economy uh, and more broadly how do you see the lessons you've learned in terms of process persisting as we kind of move into a what I suspect will be a kind of a permanent hybrid future. Well, what Claire was just talking about of, you know, what the difference between being in room and how long that takes versus obviously what it looks like when you go to a digital environment is something that we've all felt so deeply. I mean, one of the things that we've asked ourselves over the pandemic is we want to ask ourselves not how can we do our best creative work in a COVID area, but instead, how can we do our best creative work, period? And so we spent a lot of time looking at what are the processes, approach, people in the quote unquote room that need to be in place to get to our, our best work. And one of the things that I found about process, you know, if I just think about the before versus now, you know, when I think about agency life happening in person, while we may have a beautiful, lovely process to get to creative work, there's just mm -hmm. dynamics when we're in person that we don't always use it, you know? Um, and, and I think what happens when we actually come out of that in-person environment is we realize that some of the some of the ways that we are getting to work don't necessarily solve solve the question of how do we get to the most revolutionary creative solutions. And so 
what I think has been incredible about going to a virtual environment is it actually kind of exposes those holes of when you aren't super tight about a process in a big way. So back to kind of the survey, if you if you didn't have a process to start with, like Claire was saying, um, it, you just exasperate it in a COVID era. And I think for us, what it allowed us to do was people couldn't rely on old routines and bad habits in the same way when they went virtual. And so it really cracked people open to rethinking the way they approached their work and the teams who developed that work. And so for, for me, what's been, I think, incredibly gratifying is seeing people really say, okay, how do I actually follow the process? How do I actually ensure that we're being really mindful and thoughtful about putting strategy at the heart of the work, letting creative lead us through that process, ensuring that our account leads are bringing the brilliance that they bring every day on the client strategy front and really allow kind of that virtual environment to take over. Um, and so I, and so in a weird way, I actually think that um, COVID kind of exasperated our um, our focus on process and and actually showed us the power when we follow it through how much mm -hmm. stronger how much more revolutionary how much more brilliant our creative ideas can be yeah there were no shortcuts i suppose um in the in the kind exactly. of virtual environment um curious to hear about pitching to clients you know 95 percent of respondents said that they had pitched creative ideas to clients um and it was a kind of a mixed response when we asked them how they had found that. Uh, you know, I think the the majority said it was about the same or slightly worse. Uh, Leslie, I'll come back to you on that one first. I mean, do, do did you have you enjoyed pitching online, and do you want it to continue? Whew. Um, that's such a tough question. I mean, again, I think there are just multiple truths of that situation. There's something about there's something about pitching online and being so close in the environment where our clients are living day in and day out. There's an intimacy to that that I think has brought us closer in pitch situations. I think when you can see someone's face in a virtual environment. Um, you get to see their reactions in a different way than when you're pitching in a conference room. So there are some really beautiful things about it that I think have been really interesting. Um, you know, as a planner, I love to, to, to look at culture and mindsets. And so I've loved to kind of study just even the energy that's associated when we go into a pitch situation like that. On the other hand, I think what's been tricky is you miss so much of that group energy in the room. Um, one of the things that I think is really difficult is when you're in a pitch situation, if you're pitching to multiple clients, if several of them have cameras off, it's really hard to kind of go into a place that's a little bit colder and not to be able to see that kind of live reaction and and to not have that two-way interaction so you know i i am um i am hungry for some more in-person pitching um but i've also appreciated the i've also appreciated what we've kind of learned about that in the in the past um several months i think there are some lessons that we'll take through with us for pitching as well. I mean, I think you learn very, very quickly, again, back to just time of how tight 
the narrative has to be um, where are you at when you're on camera, you really see very quickly where you start to lose people, where they get distracted, um, mm. and and honestly, just what you need in order to to just keep people connected to the narrative. I mean, we've had an incredible um, we've had some incredible success in new business. I mean, we've we've been at like 150 million dollars in new business wins, and so we've had incredible client growth, very strong winning performance. Um, we've won as much, if not more, new business in the last year, where creative was a key driver. So you know, it's definitely something we have um, made work. Um, but I'm I'm hungry to find that two-way energy, kind of in this new world order, as we start to to look at that the next whatever next is. Yeah, indeed. Um... Interestingly, clients have a have a more positive view of online pitching than agencies, which which is kind of an interesting dichotomy. Um, Claire, did, did you want to say a quick word about the seventy three percent who will revert to in person group brainstorms when they get back into the office? Yeah, um, um, surely, surely we can. Can we not consign the group? brainstorm <laughs> well the, I, yeah i think um just um just a, a note on um what um leslie was talking about there i and this does tie in actually i mean to to um group brainstorms is that i think the danger is that um that there is with a lot of creative process and and a lot of, of the focus on say a group brainstorm or on even on pitching you know um introverts or people with a more internal um process um and you know perhaps a more reflective process who don't necessarily like the idea of sitting in a room and just saying whatever comes into their head and then saying it which is someone with a strong external preference or extrovert preference is going to you know it, the difference is really there is i think you know it's about how social your process is and it's not not, not one is good or bad it's just different but i think in a group brainstorming scenario if it's managed badly which let's face it a lot of them are then it's just a crappy meeting <laughs> you know it's not a brainstorm mm. it's just a badly managed meeting that is not using um, either stimulus or, or or managing people's state or getting people getting the best out of people in a and so I you know any kind of group brainstorm scenario where you're not prepared and all you expect is people to just kind of shout out shout things out I mean I think we should definitely consign that to let's not go back to that but I do think again mm -hmm. to this point about collaboration is you can't I think you have a very fundamental choice to make when you work in in, in an agency or or in in any any space where you want and asking people to have a creative output. Do you believe in the power of the group or in the power of individuals to come up that an idea can come from anywhere? In which case you have to try and find a way in your process to bring everyone along. Or you believe that it's vested in a few and that um, those few can manage the output of the entire agency. And if push comes to shove, they're the one who are gonna have the answer. And I think this is where um, this is where we can be just much, much smarter in terms of, you know, obviously there's lots of talk about diversity and inclusion as there should be um, across our industry and well beyond. And is about not just getting one person's voice, whoever that person is, it's not he or she who mm. speaks loudest. So I think it's tied into just going back to the pitching piece. I think there is a danger that, you know, one of the things I've been asked a lot for is people saying, look, 
you know, that people who have a more of an introvert or internal process, it's exacerbated even more on a, on two centimeter screens. You know, a lot of, of mm-hmm. people want, don't want to be on camera. They might want to have their camera off or it just feels, you know, that that idea that they have to contribute at some point is actually quite, can, can be quite stressful because they might like to process. I mean, we all do, frankly, you don't necessarily all want to, you know, blurt out the first thing that comes out of your mouth. You might want to be more considered. So, um, I think the pitching process, the danger is with a lot of this kind of online piece is that we have to find ways to bring every kind of thinker into the creative process and allow them a way to have their voice. And so a group brainstorm just doesn't do that if it's poorly managed. So that's where I think Mm. the tools can really help because they bring people's points of view forward and you don't ever even have to get into a room together to discuss them. You know, maybe you Mm. will, but you don't have to. And I, I think that's really positive for the whole creative process, actually. Indeed, yeah, it doesn't, as you said, it's not whoever um, shouts loudest, perhaps. So maybe there's a, there's a democratising quality there, both in terms of ideas and, and indeed in terms of, um, you know, pitching to mm. clients who, 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 who maybe um, have, have, have preferred agencies before based on, on, on other reasons. Mm. Um, Let's talk quickly about the drivers of great PR work, because I know, uh, Leslie, you have a few things to say about this. So authenticity emerges as the top driver of great PR work in 2021. So we we ask respondents quite simply what drives great PR work. Authenticity is is top ahead of engagement, courage and storytelling. Uh, That's on the agency side. Uh, largely the same on the in-house side. They actually select authenticity by an even bigger margin. Um, and I wondered, Leslie, whether you think that the focus on authenticity this year uh, reflects the kind of unique pressures of the pandemic where companies were expected to demonstrate genuine empathy. Mm, that's such a good question. I mean, I think absolutely. I mean, what's... What's always been true about PR is the work has to sit at the intersection of culture and our audiences, and it has to be interesting enough and real enough to create conversation. You know, when we don't have the luxury of relying on paid media to do our our lifting, we have to be incredibly accountable to those ideas, and we have to inspire our teams into bold and relevant territories. And I think I think that sits at the heart of authenticity. I think one of the things that we've learned um, in the past you know year and a half is when something feels shallow, when something doesn't feel real, when you are just focused on business results versus impact, um, it doesn't work for the audience. It's not the thing that's going to drive the interest, the attention, the realness that is going to to garner the, the respect and attention of, of the audiences. And so I think authenticity is definitely um, has definitely been put on steroids over the past year and a half as we crave um, clients to take a different step forward in the world, as we are looking at new ways to build trust with brands. It's not just about this like corporate trust. We want to mm-hmm. see more of the vulnerability and the human side of brands, mm-hmm. of companies, and understand where they intersect our lives. Um, and so, you know, I think that's definitely been an output of the COVID area, the COVID era for sure. Mm, there's just no, I think there's just no, or it's much harder to fake it. 
um, totally. these days is, is, is one of the learnings perhaps. Yeah, and I think what's so interesting, even when we, not to take us into a different topic, but even when we think about kind of what's happening from the the ad side, the PR side, what's what's happening is we sometimes love to think that these exist in separate silos. And what's happening is, you know, what happens in a company's reputation affects their marketing. What happens in marketing affects their reputation. And so we can't fake it. We can't pretend that reputation lives separately than a beautiful ad campaign and vice versa. And so, you know, we, we've tried for a long time, I think, to create these separate silos. And to be frank, that's just not where our audiences are. And so I think the more that we can embrace the underlying truth of that, what what is the underlying purpose of a company? Why do they exist? What value do they bring to the world? And figuring out how we creatively unleash that, that allows us to deliver truly that impact that's built on authenticity for our clients. Mm. Finally, Let's talk a little bit about the creative director role. Um, so 53% of respondents have a creative director. I remember when we started this survey, most agencies didn't have one. I think it was something like 15 to 20%. I mean, that, and that was back in 2012. Um, now we're at around 53%, which is around the same as what we recorded in 2017. Um, almost a third believe the role is unnecessary. Uh, Claire, do you think this points to a, an evolution in, in how the creative director position is viewed in the PR world? Mm. I think it's really interesting. I think, again, it, it comes back to, I think, when the first, I, I was one of the first probably creative directors in an agency, you know, 14 years ago, probably, mm, um, when yeah. I was um, working in a WPP agency. And I think at that point, we were looking to the advertising industry model probably in some ways to say okay we we now need to up the ante on creativity we also need to up the ante on tying that creativity into um, you know insights and data and there's no excuse for that and of course technology really again pushed that forward because you didn't necessarily have to have you know um, access to uh, to media databases to be able to start getting some of this data so all our ideas needed needed and can continue to need to be rooted in in information facts data and then you know trying to find the insights from that um, and I do think it's changed in the sense that um, this this idea, I think, of, of working more collaboratively. Um, Wendy Clark, who used to be um, at Coca-Cola, um, she said something great to me one year actually at Cannes, um, since it's sort of timely this week. Um, mm -hmm. She, I was talking to her about it and she said, you know, I don't want a rock star creative. She said, what I want is a constellation of stars who can give me all sorts of different points of view. And I think that's definitely more where we are now. And it, it is, it is, a, I mean, it is a, a bit of um, a, um, I think of a, of a turning point in, in relation to creative directors, because you can't be, I think in an advertising agency set up with your, you know, ECDs and CDs and copywriters and everything else, the whole engine, the whole machine is set up for the purposes of those people to be, that's all that they do. And they're firing on those cylinders and they come in and they do that. But actually where in a PR agency, I mean, my experience of working with creative directors um, in, in some, in, you know, in some agencies is that the it's not billable in a lot of agencies and i think this sort of comes to the heart of it is that it's seen still seen 
as a nice to have. And when push comes to shove, I could tell you this year, having spoken to, you know, three or four creative directors who I have worked with over the years on a regular basis. And they just get, you know, it's like, it's a really great title to have, but the minute, excuse my French, but the shit hits the fan, they're working on new business or, you know, salvaging a client. They sort of get pulled into kind of doing the billable work. Um, and then everything that they sort of were, were planning, whether it be trying to get process in, invested and all of those things just falls by the wayside. So I think it's the focus on creativity and the idea of a creative director is a, is great. Um, and it's much more, I think, about being able to em, empower your whole group and audience and agency and team to be able to contribute. Of course, someone's got to lead that, but I think vesting it all in one person is, it's also dangerous because they leave, right? They leave or they might mm. go, you know, off to another agency or lots of them um, will go off in house and, um, you know, off to management consultancies now. So I think it's more about saying we have a process and we trust our people and the creative director and the strategy director and the insight team and all of those people all lead everybody you know, like Hansel and Gretel sort of towards an idea rather than saying, I've got the idea. Mm. Which I think um, kind of appositely is is more or less the process that Fleischmann is using, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if there's anything you wanted to say on, on the creative director role, Leslie. Yeah, I mean, Claire, I love your analogy of the constellation. I mean, I think if we look back in the past at PR, what we used to expect our PR account leads to carry was just kind of nuts. We expected them to wear every single hat. They had to be the client strategist, the creative lead, the execution guru, mm -hmm. the sector expert. And um, I think for us, we've really come to a reckoning as an agency, as an industry, that that approach doesn't lead to great work. And so, you know, as we've looked at strategically, how do we deliver the best work for our clients? That's included planners, research and intelligence, media and platforms, but also creatives. Um, they have to come to one uh, together as one team and bring those expertise to the table to, to bring the work further than it can go. And so, yeah, we definitely don't, um, we definitely don't abide by the approach where, you know, the creative director is a lone wolf who takes the brief into a, a room and two weeks out reveals the answer for everybody. It's not that at all. But on the other hand, I would say that creative is very much a part of what's driving our work forward as an agency. We've invested in senior level creative conceptual talent who are making a tremendous impact on the work already. And I would say one of the things that I think has been interesting is that it's we have, we've been very purposeful about the creative directors that we've brought into the organization. Um, because to be honest, what we're seeing right now is a lot of curiosity and interest among creatives to make that leap from ad to PR. The ones who we have found who really thrive in our environment, in addition to being collaborative, wanting to um, really share a lot of those creative responsibilities. Um, a lot of the things that we've been seeing is they have the ambition to reimagine the briefs that we're doing. They have the depth and maturity to tackle our industry, which tends to be more complicated. Um, they're hungry to create that work that can't rely on paid to garner attention. 
they want to do work that sits at the intersection of culture and is interesting enough to create conversation. I mean, we've seen the creative directors who we've brought in are just incredibly accountable for their, their ideas. And I think that extra layer of accountability has inspired the entire team then to move into bolder, really relevant territories, ideas that, you know, hit our agency's ambition to bend the world. Mm. It's it's encouraging to see because I think when the creative director role started appearing at PR firms, as as you both have alluded to, the risk I think was that it would just end up being kind of a poor facsimile of of the the ECD role uh, at an advertising agency. And of course, what I think we're now seeing is actually the creative director position has adapted to the unique demands of the public relations world. And it, it, I suppose it was bound to take some time, but but it's very encouraging to see. Um, I think that's probably all we have time for uh, on this podcast, but fear not if you want more creativity in PR content. There is loads on the website on our Creativity in PR channel. Um, there's stories, there's thought leadership from Fleischmann that we will release the full report uh, once we, we produce some more stories, although it'll probably be out by the time this by the time you're listening to this podcast uh, and then towards the end of the month we have a special video discussion as well in which we will talk not only to Fleischmann but also to some clients um, so stay tuned and of course it's Cannes this week um, so there's a lot of creative stuff going on Leslie uh, and Claire thank you so much for joining me been listening to the Provoke podcast brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy to use PR software. Get a free demo today at notified.com.